1: Adam.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't finished. Bo. Adam. Bo. Adam. Listen. Travis. That's my line. Oh no. Hey. You can't ask Travis. You can't say Travis. It's that's I get to say Travis. That's what I get to say
0: well then by all means
3: you sound very kingly say something kingly travis
0: wine and cheese for all of my men <laughs> why, why wine about, and cheese why are your
3: men drinking they must they sound soft your men
1: Ah, uh, yeah you know how about mead and boar for all of my men oh even better yes so try that
3: one travis That sounds better to me. I think Adam's got the the right feel. This has to be a little more masculine. Is mead masculine, though?
0: Mead is pretty manly, I have to say. It's like a Viking drink. It's something you drink out of a horn, which, uh, you know, just by definition makes it pretty manly.
1: All right, go for it. Or hornly.
0: Mead and boar for all my men.
1: Yes, your majesty. (laughs) Ah, ah.
3: scene okay so (laughs) what was um your horrible experience of the week
1: um i think i might have found one scorpion running around but i smushed it so badly that i couldn't tell if it was a scorpion by the time that i saw what was left of it but it was certainly spinning around and looked a little bit like a lobster what
3: what was it doing was it doing anything was it like throwing you gang signs and trying to get you to fight
1: Said, howdy, boy.
3: Oh, so your scorpion was a cowboy.
1: We're in Arizona, my man.
3: Okay, cowboy scorpion sounds. yeah. Yeah, sounds really kind of annoying, terrifying. And, and, And someone else was just telling me that if you get stung by a scorpion, it is the most painful thing you can imagine.
1: That's what they say. And other people go, eh, it's like being stung by a hornet, which to me is one of the more painful things I can imagine. Yeah, I don't know. My horrible
3: thing was, look, look at this, look.
1: Oh, a boo-boo on your thumb.
3: I had my hand resting against the front loader of my tractor as I loaded wood into it, logs. And so that's where my thumb was when the log, traveling at the speed of, let's get this done fast, banged into it from about two feet away.
1: That's what happens when you try to be Farmer McRae. So now that... Now that we've shared some horror stories, uh, anything else that might be cyber-related of horror that happened this week?
3: 100%, you shared something hilarious uh, either today or it was yesterday. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that Adam, one of Adam's only ways of knowing what's going on with Heather, his very wonderful wife, is uh, through her Instagram account. He'll look at and see what, what she's doing. She'll post a lot of
1: stories. Well, it's a shortcut. There's nothing worse than saying, how was your day? And having a... Burr. So, therefore, I figure...
3: <laughs> it, your credo has always been, you know, don't overshare, right?
1: Oh, don't overshare, except with your spouse,
3: maybe. Oh Well, that, that's, well that's a different thing, and that's for a different kind of podcast. But I meant... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't overshare on social media, which, you know, you don't do at all. I think the only thing you've ever posted is, the bo- uh, you know, that bottle of water in the, in the, in the um, footwell of your car. How come you don't put up a picture of the chicken suit? And come to think of it, how come you never did the chicken dance on the show as promised? Scratch that. Covenous Scratch people. that, guys. We're going to, Adam is going to do a dance for you on TikTok.
1: I would totally do my chicken dance on TikTok. I would totally do my chicken dance on TikTok. TikTok. Yes, I do believe. My son was waiting for the arrival of his chicken suit so he could do a father-son chicken dance.
3: Oh, blame it on the person who's not even 10 years old.
0: I think Elon Musk could probably learn a thing or two about uh, stretching things out and coming up with new reasons. Oh, yeah. He's been in the news quite a bit. Yep. It was nice when Twitter was like,
3: oh, um, uh, so that data you wanted, here it is. Want to buy the company? <laughs>
0: Oops. Regardless, yes, I do think we had a standing commitment to a uh, chicken dance.
3: We did. We did. Now, what you sent me that I thought was hilarious was someone targeted you for an an ad that allowed you to spy on someone's Instagram account, which I know you would never do in a million years, but it was like, basically like, not that we think that if your partner is cheating on you or is not acting in the way that you, you know, you suspect something's wrong, the first thing you should do is talk to them. The second thing you should do is listen. The third thing you should do is like, really try and get, get to a good warm place with them. But if you can't, we sell an app that'll let you spy on them. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I I would say it's there's really a, there's, alarming.
1: There's a greater chance of universal world peace than me spying on my spouse. Well, you know what they
3: say, and I have a little experience of this, having shoulder surfed on somebody I shouldn't have. Um, it, you know, you get what you deserve when you snoop.
1: That's right. Oftentimes you find what you don't want to find. So if you don't want to find something, don't even be looking.
3: Yeah, don't look. Just don't look. That was how I found out that yeah, I was <laughs> um, years ago. I let's just say I went to the doctor uh, because I was having some man problems, and I was too young to be having these man problems. I was in my twenties, and so I went to the doctor, and he said, "Well, if I had to bet, I'd say you have beep this thing, um, which is uh, you know it, it, uh, you know uh, which is a disaster by any standard." especially since my reply was, but doctor, I'm in a monogamous relationship. There's a very pregnant pause. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> and that's how I found out. <laughs> this was long before there were apps. And obviously, anyway, you could spy on your spouse. But, you know, if you're going to use these spyware things, first of all, we think you're a uh, a uh, lout and a cur and a bad person. Um, secondly, you 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 just have the conversation because you're not going to like what you find out.
1: Am I right? Well, I certainly think if you use one of those apps, which you shouldn't, you just might find yourself at the wrong end of a lawsuit. Which you well, don't how want. do you
3: even? Yeah, but how do you even explain like, oh, uh, I, you know, I saw you went on a date with like how do you start that conversation you just you know something that is like you know emotional dynamite i don't understand like i don't even understand the concept it's like you can't use it in court in a divorce it's not admissible Mm -mm. yeah there was some elon musk news for real this week was there not
0: there's
1: always Elon Musk news every week.
0: Yeah, apparently there was a uh, video campaign um, going around in India with, with a deep fake of Elon Musk, yet again promising free cryptocurrency.
1: Well, but Adam. Wait, wait. That's that fake? That oh, was fake. Man. Yep. Oh, no again. wonder I've been waiting for my cryptocurrency for like uh, three months now.
3: I guess I know what we're going to be doing for the next few days, Travis. Yep. But, you know, Elon Musk, the reason it's easy to make a deep fake of Elon Musk is the same reason it was easy to make that deep fake of Obama that came out many years ago, which is there's a lot of tape. Mm-hmm. I think people are kind of hip to the fact that that exists. So if someone were to try to do that during the election cycle, for example, with a camp, you know, someone campaigning, it probably wouldn't work. But I, what I worry about is like there's news, you know, recent news from the January 6th hearings or whatever that's called, and um, the you know,
1: January 6th hearings,
3: I could see somebody saying that the tape of Bill Barr saying that, you know, he told Trump that the, his fears were unfounded. That was all doctored tape and not real. I, you know, that's the problem. It's like the, the truth and reality have become
1: rubberized. Well, and, the, and that's led to the whole fake news situation that, that you're talking about. It's, it's led to the whole AI thing. And today it's kind of like, well, wait. Is that real? Is that fake news? And never forget that hackers are creative, sophisticated, and persistent. Anytime there's anything new in the world of, of, of cyber, it's you're, it's going to show up somehow in some communication from a hacker or a scammer.
3: Right. Or like even a state-sponsored hacker trying to destabilize an election? or
1: It's, it's limitless because the evolution of technology is limitless. Mm. As, as you like to say, Uncle Bo, yes. the technology that makes us powerful also makes us vulnerable.
3: That's you, you like to say that.
1: I like, we both like to say it. Travis I'm, likes to say it too, he often says that. All the time. I'm Mr. Bo, by the way. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Bo. <laughs>
3: You know, before we get into the show, uh, Travis, did you get the, um, did you get those new microphones that I sent to you? Uh, microphones? Well, Adam called me up and said, Travis desperately needs these new microphones before, wait a minute.
1: I don't remember calling you at all. It might've been me when I took my Ambien, but I don't seem to remember it being me. Why would I do that? Wait, wait um. It wasn't me.
3: Wait a second. Um, I can look at my phone right now. Hold on. Yeah. All right. It's right here. It was at 1226 last Tuesday. Yeah. It's, it's clearly a phone call from you. <gasps> oh, my God.
1: Ooh. All
0: right, guys. Time to come clean. I actually did put together an AI bot based on uh, previous recordings <laughs> from Adam, just because we have so many of them.
1: You <sighs> bastard. Ah. Yeah. Scandal.
0: And I didn't get the microphone, but I did send it to my friend Jake. So um, he thanks you.
3: It's the least we could do for Jake. Okay, come double clean. You didn't do any of that, but that's the way it would work.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: Well, there's a, you know, the the iconic story of this was uh, it happened in Europe that the CEO of a portfolio company got a call from the CEO of the parent company saying they had a new cooperative advertising program going, every company was contributing, all the portfolio companies, could he please send $200,000? Mm-hmm. Huh. And because the, the wow. CEO of the portfolio company absolutely knew the voice yeah. of the parent company's CEO, oh, I
3: remember
1: that. Yeah. he wired the money. And yeah, it
3: was the dude, it was the guy.
1: It was the guy, except yeah. it wasn't the, the guy. guy. And no. the money was gone, and then that guy was gone.
0: Well, the thing that's uh, especially sneaky about that one, too, is it would take a lot of guts to be able to uh, to get a call from your boss telling you to do something and saying,
3: I don't believe this is you. (laughs) It's true, which is why I sent the mics
0: to you. Right. No, I didn't, but they weren't there. (laughs) But anyway. Well, I don't know if you guys were watching the uh, Obi-Wan show.
1: I started to. It's very good.
0: Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd, but one thing that I was really happy to see was when they brought Darth Vader. It they had James Earl Jones's voice, impossible. Right. Unfortunately, it ended up that was a deep fake. That was something that was put together from previous clips.
1: Oh, really? James Earl Jones didn't come in the studio and do it?
0: Apparently not. Um, they got his voice with his permission and uh, sort of put oh. that put that together from you know previous samplings of his. Uh, so
3: it was, his work. A, it was a licensing deal, basically. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But also slightly disappointing just because I was sort of giddy to hear the uh, Darth Vader voice.
1: And I just want you to know for all those people out there that are listening, I'm happy to lend you my voice (laughs) licensing it. You know what I mean? You know.
0: And if they don't want to use James Earl Jones, hit me up.
1: That's right. If you don't want James Earl Jones, Travis is your guy. I, you know, that's the sound of a man
3: dying and with machine-assisted, almost not dying, dying. You know, it's a very strange thing, Darth Vader.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, you get dumped down a volcano or whatever happened to him, tossed in lava. You're not really going to be, uh, you know, that well afterwards.
3: I would, I'd, I'd retire personally. I'd be like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. But he, no, he. I kept
1: mean, going. a lot of people thought Anakin was pretty hot. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to What The Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, OB2,
0: Kenobi. I'm Bo Cyber Jedi. And I'm Travis, straight up Lando Calrissian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And today we're talking with bon vivant, man about town, dashing rascal, award-winning BBC and HBO journalist, Andrew Gold, about how scammers aren't the only people to scam people. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses,
0: soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Body program pairs a weekly
3: weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off.
1: Need support? Roe's got you covered every step of the way, and guess what? and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's adam. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works. Not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Andrew, I, I realized uh, getting ready for the show today that actually you and I share. Uh, rock stars in common. Andrew Gold, and Bo would back me up with this, and I'm sure you know, was a uh, very famous uh, musician, songwriter, unfortunately passed away in 2011. So you live with the ghost of Andrew Gold, and I live with the reality of Adam Levine, who completely messed up my chi, on Google. <laughs> so, oh
3: well. So did so did Adam Levin, the guitar teacher, and Adam Levin, the, the
1: author, and
0: uh, how many literally? Well, let's not guys. the uh, publisher of High Times.
3: Yeah, and also <laughs> Andrew Gold and Adam Levin. How dare you? You know, you both have names where there are literally. You're like chrysanthemums. You're everywhere <laughs> in the
2: fall. But we,
3: um, well, but we are everywhere, <laughs> Bo. <Beau. laughs>
2: Oh my gosh, Adam I the Fall. I'm sorry that you see what I did there. Uh, well, Andrew Gold. Yeah, he was. Um, he played with the Beatles quite a bit, and he did. Do you ever watch that sitcom Mad About You? Yes. No.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, he did no. this. He did the song for that, I think, and he did the one for the Golden Girls as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I do know. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that I know the songs obviously because of my name. I wouldn't have known him otherwise, I don't think. But I ended up speaking to his uh, his late his wife. You know, it's not his late wife because he died unfortunately. But I spoke to her on Twitter because we got talking, and she kept seeing sort of Andrew Gold popping up, and it wasn't him, of course. It's quite sad, and she still uses his old account on Twitter. She signs in and sort of checks if anyone's saying things to Andrew and sort of replies to people on his behalf, and it's all quite sad but very lovely as well. And we had a chat because it was like. A name is, it it sort of means nothing, and it means everything, if you know what I mean. It's like you go through life as one of the, I mean, he's the only other person in the world I've ever known of who's had the same name as me, which is quite something. But of course, it's just a name as well. So there was some sort of bond we created.
1: (laughs) Andrew, I have learned many, many fascinating things about you, but one of my favorite little Andrew Gold tidbits... Is you represented England in beer pong? (laughs) Yeah. I need to know
3: this. Wait, there's a thing. There's a, there's
2: represent. They are represented? How? they are represented. Um, I called it beer pong because I don't know how to call the game when there's no beer actually involved. I suppose it's just pong, but then that sounds like a bad smell or like the old game in the (laughs) 80s, the arcade game. So (laughs) um, this was, I was living in Argentina. I spent seven or eight years out there. That's where I did a lot of my documentary work, exposing exorcists and things like that. And because I did that kind of stuff, and when you're out in Argentina, and I think a lot of people will have this experience if they've lived in sort of far-flung places, and you are the British or American representative, you know, over there, uh, you start getting called for different kinds of things, you know, so I suddenly got a call saying, look, we're looking for somebody, we're doing a World Cup Uh, like the soccer football, you know, World Cup, Um, they were copying the teams that were playing each other in the World Cup on some sports channel on Argentine TV or Argentinian TV. Um, And it was games of like this pong ball thing from across the table. Um, And so England's soccer group was with like Panama, and I can't remember who else, but let's say it's Sweden and Paraguay or whatever it was. So I had to go into the studio. They like sent some, you know, expensive car to come and pick me up and take me in. And they gave me like this England shirt and everything. And I was on the other side playing against someone from Panama because that's who the England football team were going to play against. But this Panamanian person was uh, an 11 or 12 year old girl that they had found somewhere <laughs> yeah. in Argentina. So it was it was one of these sort of lose-lose situations it's like, well, if I win, that's not great. Like nobody wants me to win. And if I lose, I've lost to an 11 year old girl. And I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to try and sort of get the ball in the cup. And I lost. She just wiped the floor with me, this girl. Mm -hmm. And it was all very embarrassing. And everyone laughed and Argentinian TV. There is a lot of like, uh, I suppose it's, I, I don't mean this in a snobby way, but it's a little bit sort of lowbrow. There's a lot of like shouting and cheering in the background going on. <laughs> so I was really having my face rubbed in this kind of thing. And then they wouldn't even let me keep the England jersey that they'd given me. They were what? just like, okay, we need that back now. Yeah. So I didn't even get that.
3: <laughs> oh, that's a really sad story. I mean, getting chanced yeah. by an 11-year-old girl at Pong. Yeah. Tell me and about And for our that listeners there. in the United States, Pong, we don't have that word here. Did you know that, Andrew? Well, as in the smell? Yeah, it's like it's like uh, you know the, we say sidewalk, you say pavement, all that sort of thing. Pong is another one of those words where we just say body bio or <laughs> stench, or yeah. they just use my name, and then, you have
1: <laughs> and then you have pong.
3: Did you guys know the word yeah. pong?
1: Bo went to university in in England, so he kind of you know stretches I the the two. I did not. Kinds.
3: I did not I did. Well anyway, but so I have I have like the only vestige of having lived in England is the way that I say extraordinary and my kids oh. like rake me over the coals when I do it. I don't I've I've I don't know how I used to do it. I've stopped, but I used to have a slightly mid-atlantic accent. Extraordinary.
2: Yeah, I love that Mid-Atlantic accent. It just doesn't exist anymore, does it? And it's so great to hear it. That sort of classic filmic 1930s. Well, I'll tell you a thing about, you know, they speak really fast and (laughs) I wish it existed.
1: I got to ask you one other thing, too, especially now since the United States Senate is even taking this up now. And that is you hunted UFOs. That's pretty cool. Mm.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, hunted in the pursued kind of sense, but I say hunted because it sounds, you know, it sounds like I've gone out with a bow and arrow or Dramatic, something after these. Yes. Uh, yeah, UFOs. That was just another thing. So, I was doing these things obviously in Argentina. A lot of the things I do, a lot of the documentaries I do, are around belief, extreme belief, sometimes to expose those kinds of things, or sometimes just to sort of marvel at them. Uh, and the UFO case was one of those where it didn't feel like anything bad was coming f- from this kind of belief. Uh, it felt like a kind of delusion that was fine. I've just done an interview for my podcast with, with a, a, a Stuart Vise, who's a philosopher who wrote The Uses of Delusion, all about how delusions can be good for you, which is great because most of my episodes, the podcasts are about uh, how delusions are bad and we should stay away from magical thinking and stuff, but they can be good. And the UFO stuff, uh, I went out to a village called Capilla del Monte, or with an Argentine accent, it's Capilla del Monte, uh, out in the countryside of Argentina. And uh, that village is known as like this alien place because in the 1980s, some sort of alien apparently landed there. So this is not like the recent news of the, the unidentified aerial phenomena that the, I think it's the American Navy TV have been talking about uh, which which could be very real this is more like you know little green men, that have that people think have come along. And what really probably happened was there was a fire in a forest and and they can't explain what had happened because the fire went out. So they're like, oh, there's a dark patch on the hill. There were aliens here. And now it's become the go-to alien place. It's very like new age touristy and all that kind of thing in Argentina. So I went there, I met some of the guys who were like the, the most zealous about their alien belief. And we went, you know, trekking up into the mountains at like four in the morning to look for aliens. And um, they did some sort of meditation and stuff and it was all very hippie in new age uh which which i don't really you know go for but it was a lot of fun and beautiful views like i've never seen i mean often these places where there's a lot of ufo belief are in extremely beautiful countryside places and uh they were sort of saying like can you see those lights those are those are third dimensional or fifth dimensional beings who live underground and come out at night and I was like, but they look like car headlights, really. And they were like, well, they might be car headlights. So that was that. But it was fun. Belief is like kind of the, the linchpin of a lot of scams. You know,
3: if you believe that you're going to get a certain outcome, it makes you a lot more susceptible to getting scammed. And yeah. going and hunting for certain uh, stories or, or, you know, the, the truth behind uh, a belief. Or It also, it puts you in the position sort of of the scammer sometimes i mean to think you have to think like the person trying to get someone to believe it's a game of make-believe where you're making them believe something
2: is that right or Oh, yeah. And and also, there's, and I I think some people who have fallen for things, they don't want to admit it sometimes. And that's no good because they should admit it. So we all learn about the scam and they don't want to admit it because they feel like it will show that they were stupid, you know? And there's so much evidence to suggest that it doesn't prove that you're stupid. And uh, there's a great book, another guy I had on my podcast called David Robson. He wrote a book called The Intelligence Trap. And it was all about how often it's the smartest people who fall for things uh, the easiest. And a great example was the Sherlock Holmes writer. Arthur Conan Doyle who was supposed to be outrageously intelligent and the master of deduction and critical thinking obviously to create a character like Sherlock and he's known for having had a very strong belief in fairies because of a prank that some teenage girls pulled where they put up pictures of of these fake fairies that they pinned to a board and because the pins went through their stomachs on the of the photos or whatever these things um, Arthur Conan Doyle believed that that was evidence that they had belly buttons and that fairies could give birth and they were born um and that actually <laughs> it caused his fallout with um houdini who was obviously a, a skeptic as a magician and he was very very skeptical they they fell out over that and um and arthur conan doyle's belief in ouija boards um as well and 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 he tried to convince houdini that houdini's mother was trying to contact him from beyond the grave and it led to this great falling out but obviously arthur conan doyle's a supremely intelligent or was uh interesting person so Anybody can fall for stuff, particularly intelligent people, um, a lot of the time. I think it's a really interesting point you're making as well. If we look in terms of looking at what we all do in common, if you guys are exposing scams and and belief and looking, you know, that kind of thing, uh, and what I do as well. I mean, because I went out into Buenos Aires um, again, and it was uh, an exorcist who was basically giving people bits of olive oil to, and saying that's going to cure your cancer, um, and don't you don't need to go to a shrink when you've got schizophrenia. Just come here and I'll get the demon out of you. And it was just, to an extent, I had to scam the exorcist. so that he would allow me to continue filming him for a couple of months. And I did it in a way that I'm, I'm maybe not proud of now, but it was I was a bit cheekier when I was younger. So I was being a bit mischievous and I would ask questions that I knew would make him look ridiculous, but as if I were being sincere. So I was asking, oh, so so are there vampires here a lot of the time? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of vampires and, and levitation and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, we've seen people lift up onto the roof. So I had to be a little bit insincere uh, myself and also try to get, yeah, as you say, into his mind. It's a whole complex thing.
0: In the case of that guy, was he a scammer himself, or did he actually believe his own uh, stories?
2: Yeah, that's the that is the golden question, and I I, just, I stayed up for like weeks, months, years trying to know about that. And the, the I guess the disappointing answer is I'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think these people. I, I think the, the the closest thing to knowing is that I think these people. Deep down, they know they're scamming people and they don't really want to admit it to themselves. Maybe they just keep going with, you know, it's theater and they convince themselves. I know somebody, uh, a friend of, uh, the family friend who believes that she can talk to, ghosts and stuff and she she has a business doing it and because i know her personally i know she's not trying to scam people it's just so not her she's such a nice it's just no way she would do that so i think she definitely so so i know there's def, there are definitely people out there who believe they can do these magical yeah, like things. the psychics like psychics
3: mm. and yeah m- like it's you know magicians at least have a mechanical kind of a lot of the time there's a mechanical aspect yeah. to what they do but like the clairvoyance and psychics they actually think that they're
1: well you know, some Bo, of them both speaks to bears so i mean anything's <laughs> possible
3: this spring get out there enjoy the weather and recapture the magic of riding a bike That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com.
1: you know speaking about all things magic you uh, yeah. sent sent over an interesting story about a magician
2: <laughs> so last night this happened and i thought about you guys this morning because obviously we're on the theme of hacking and obviously my, my journalism stuff leads me to i i think more of a mental hacking and as you spoke about belief and uh falling for certain things and I guess in that in that domain and maybe in in all, all of our domain there's there's no more interesting person than Darren Brown uh the way he gets into people's minds the way he does these hypnosis things he got people up on stages and all this stuff so I went to see him last night um and he's a fan of my exorcism film I'm very proud of that and I know that through a friend that he's watched it and seen it but he got me up on stage last night in front, of, in front of thousands of people because he did one of those things where he says, like, put your hand up if you're this, if you want, put your hand up if you are excited or, or you're a risk taker, uh, if you've got a partner, uh, and all this stuff. So my partner was with me. And then he said, keep your hands up if your partner wants to come on stage or something. And my girlfriend was just going like, go on, go on. So I said, okay, I'll do this. So then he does this thing where he he throws out frisbees into the audience, four different frisbees. And he says, whoever catches it, get it to the nearest person who still has their hand up. And I was one of them. So I go walking you know, to the, and, and I can't, I have to be careful about how much I reveal because I actually think I know how Darren Brown did this trick, and he's very clear when he says, "Please don't tell anyone about what happens on the show." I, d- I think he doesn't—he won't mind me telling him this particular trick.
3: But does he know who you are when you come up? Does he know you made the movie that he liked?
2: Well, no, I don't think he recognised me. No, and I okay. was so tempted to say it. Do you, um, do you know what I mean? I wanted him to. I wanted him to be like, oh, it's you from the... and everybody listen to his podcast now. Please download. Yeah. But he d- I, no, I don't he didn't. Um <laughs> it would have been fantastic though. I was thinking, how can I get this into a sentence when he's like got me up on the stage? You could have done everybody. like a quick rate and review. That's right. <laughs> it would have been so good. <laughs> but yeah, he basically he got me and my girlfriend up together and he did this thing of, you know, uh, there were four different couples, I should say. And he managed to sort of work out which couple was which, Uh, because we went up on different sides of the stage. So he was like, okay, you two, you two, you two, you two, you know, he knew which of us were couples, who my girlfriend was and all of that straight away. He was able to guess certain things about each person, and then he sent them on their way. And then it was left with just me and uh, my girlfriend on the stage. And he suddenly just said, uh, he said, "Like, is there any embarrassing stories or anything related to you guys? Anything?" And we were just sort of quiet. And then he said, uh, "I'm, I'm seeing something about nose picking. Right? The audience start." laughing then and I've got you know that feeling you're up on a stage you know it could just be like you're at a wedding doing a speech or whatever it is that feeling your legs are turning to jelly yes. and there's like lights <laughs> on you and I was like oh my god oh my god and he's like yeah nose picking we're both shaking our heads and he's going yeah something to do with a mum and nose picking someone's mum saw someone nose picking or something like that and I know that I what he's getting at because there's a story that's so embarrassing and it's one of these stories that I don't mind telling it myself because I'm sort of owning it. But when it's a magician who's looked into my head, supposedly, because that's the trick, to find that out, um, it's very embarrassing in front of a huge audience, you know? Um so the, the story is just that when I was in Argentina, my girlfriend's Argentine, Argentinian. And when I was out there, I was just sort of sitting on her bed or something. The bedroom door was open. My girlfriend was like off in a, I don't know where she was at the time. And I was just having a little nose pick, you know, you're just clearing it out sort of thing. <laughs> and it needs and to, it's to be done thinking, sometimes. Perfectly acceptable yes. in private. <laughs> It is exact work. if You think if you're in private, that's the thing. And I looked up after a while, and I saw that my girlfriend's mother was in the doorway, and she looked like she'd been settled there for quite some time. And I had my finger right up, and I was—it was just the most embarrassing thing. Now, were you? How many? Were you like past the?
3: You were to the second knuckle. I'm discussing. <laughs> I think it was like fist deep. Oh, yeah.
2: like I was like fist, that, deep.
1: perhaps? Is it
2: that... two? Yeah, two hands. Uh, yeah. Other people's hands. Everything was just as digging far as gold. yourself can get. in the back of the head to get it to come down. <laughs> I was just, yeah, exactly. I was all over the place, fingers in my mouth. Get, just everything was everywhere. It, was a, it wasn't, It was especially well, because... Well, you
1: are Andrew Gold, so therefore digging yeah. for gold Oh, gosh. For gold.
0: <laughs> oh well. Wow. Exercising the demons in your nose. Yeah. I hope that, that's <laughs> the only time you've ever heard that, Andrew. Go on. <laughs> it,
2: it, that was the first time. <laughs> that Unfortunately, her, her mother doesn't speak English, so I wouldn't have been able to do the gold, uh, you know, it would in Oro, which well, I suppose you could dig for Oro in, in Spanish. But I mean, it was so embarrassing. And also because I had, I had sort of uh, cultivated, I think, maybe not entirely on purpose, but a bit of a British suave character over the years. Because you know, I wouldn't always speak as much as I do now, right now I'm quite erratic and eccentric in English, whereas in Spanish, I'm very fluent, but I'm, I'm also a little bit more like, hey, I'm this cool English guy, and that was just gone in that second, <laughs> any cool suaveness I had was gone, and that was the end of it, and yes, so Darren Brown revealed it all, and that was a case of, I suppose, hacking into my mind, although I do
1: think I know how he did it, but I can't, I can't really, I can't say, because it wouldn't be right. <laughs> but if, when you, you know, you talk about that, uh, Social engineering. I mean, what we see every day in terms of people getting other people to do things It's about somebody getting into your head And getting you to do stuff you wouldn't ordinarily do or getting you to do something impulsive
3: Magicians are hackers. Let's face it. Yeah So like what how did what was the hack? How did so what happened? He knows he he knows Mm. this weird story which is pretty detailed. <laughs> How does he know this weird story? Did you
2: write did about this? it and he did recognize you? No, my mind was going around there. It, it... It does ruin the trick. That's why I can't... If it, it, I can't reveal it because I think it is, it is simpler than you'd like to think. It reminds me of the phone hacking stuff that happened in the UK. I'll get onto that in a second. Just in the same way that it's disappointing when you learn how it happens because you want to imagine that hacking, when you don't know anything about hacking, which someone like me doesn't, you guys do, but you imagine that it is always this kind of ethereal, esoteric, like almost alien thing you're doing that's like... like green stuff on a screen with a matrix and whatever. And sometimes, I guess, it is just these silly scams. You're just like saying to someone, can you give me some money? And they're going, yeah. And then sometimes, like in the UK, we had this huge hacking scandal. Uh, When I was working at the Sun newspaper, the News of the World newspaper there had this big hacking thing where they were calling celebrities, mostly celebrities, uh, inboxes and just typing one, two, three, four as the password or zero, 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 zero. And it worked. And so they listened to their messages and they, they published them. And that was all sort of fun and games to an extent. I mean, it wasn't very nice of them to do that but the worst thing was that they actually hacked into the um the voicemail of a girl, or I think a teenage girl she was, called Millie Dowler, who was reported missing. So it was this big story about a missing girl. And they hacked into her voice message to find out if they could get like the inside scoop on what happened to her. But because of that, it gave the parents and the police hope that she was still alive because it seemed like she was accessing her voice messages and it sent the police in a different direction. And actually she had unfortunately been killed and it was just horrific and it was just, uh, you know, awful. But they were doing it all the time, that kind of hacking. But I remember when I found out about it, I was like, is that all they did? It was just typing 0000 or 1234. And similarly with Darren Brown and other magicians, they, I mean, Darren Brown's a genius. The stuff he does is incredible. But some of it, some of it is mind control stuff. And some of it is like any magician sort of look the other way, get somebody to write a certain thing down with someone else, find a way to get that into. It's that kind of thing. So again, I don't want to show how the sausage is made too much there because it's not fair on him. But but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> How much of that do you think is uh, putting, uh, the, uh, or putting the person on the spot um, mm. without necessarily giving away the uh, trick? I mean, if you're on a stage in front of a th- uh, several thousand people, I would imagine that that's also sort of creating a very specific uh, environment to be able to get more information mm. out of you.
2: Yeah, well, you, you do feel when you go up, you feel really susceptible. You, you want it to work more than anything, right? Mm. You want him to be successful in what he does. And if he isn't, then you feel like it's your fault. You know, if something goes...
3: Okay, so stop there. Stop there. Because you've got a nose. I've got a nose. Everyone on this podcast has a nose. And we all have fingers. And we all (laughs) knew that it was funny (laughs) that you got caught picking your nose. And we've all been caught picking our noses. So the fact is, we all probably, almost certainly, had mothers. And so a mother seeing some nose picking is almost... 100% A 100 percent, for sure, going to be a story that you we all have in common. But is it that simple? but someone else's mother
1: catching you picking your nose is well, a little Well, that revoked. too is
3: that too is going to happen with partners because uh, you know, like it or not, some you know the, your, your mileage may vary. We have to spend
2: time with our m- mothers-in-law, <laughs> <and> so <laughs> um, uh, it's 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 even more it's even more like it's just about like I can't I can't go into it because it will just give it away, and and it's you don't really want to know. And no, and no, no, no. It, and he's, he specifically says as well, he's like, you know, if you're reviewing this, if you're talking about it, please don't yeah. just talk about what happened. I've already done so, but I sort of feel like you, I've entered into a pact whereby he, without really telling me he was going to do it, has gotten me up on a stage um, as you were saying, Travis, and put me in a position where he has revealed to thousands Mm -hmm. of people, something very embarrassing to me. Um, and I think, okay, I can take that with humor, you know, and I've got to own it and tell the story myself and, you know, but some people wouldn't like that. So I've, I feel like I've given that up. So even though he's asked people, people not to say what happened, I feel like, okay, I have a right. I, you know, I, I contributed to his show. I can say a little bit, but, but, but I think giving away exactly what I, I think I saw happen would, would be, would be, Crossing that boundary, and I'll never be able to get to come on ask my podcast. You, can
3: I ask you one question about what happened to them? We'll never speak of it again. <laughs>
2: we <laughs> yes. shall never speak of this again.
3: <laughs> so, my question is this: When you mm. say what happened, mm. do you mean the subtle shift during a date where you're like, "I totally, we're totally going to kiss," or did you mean something mechanistic, mechanical?
2: Ah. Mechanical yeah I mean because magic doesn't exist right and he can yeah. do amazing things uh, with suggestion and his shows have shown he can like do he can get people to jump off of buildings he can get people when, when they think they're gonna die you know and there's actually a, there's actually a security thing he can get people to memorize things in extraordinary ways he's got incredible talents he can you know, guess things about people, but some, and I'm not talking about Darren, I'm talking about all these mentalists in in general, sometimes they are using sleight of hands and they are suggesting that things are deeper than they are. They are saying like, ah, you moved in a certain way that showed me you were nervous and blah, blah, blah. When actually there was another way that they realized, which was maybe not as exciting uh, and a bit more boring and, and, you know, behind the scenes kind of thing.
3: There's a similarity between what a investigative reporter does and what a magician does if they know the story they're after. So if you know you're going after a certain kind of criminal, like I've been trying to get, I all morning have been corresponding with a scammer online selling a tractor I know it's fake. I just want to hear how the scam goes.
1: Um, Bo's going to write a book about great tractor scams that I have experienced. There's
3: there's thousands and thousands, but this person, you know, this one's pretty simple. They're just trying to steal money through eBay. But the, um, but, you know, I'll take it through. Now, as a reporter, do you do that kind of work? And and do you see how it it is sort of similar to what scammers do?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. I, I mean, look, it's about what you guys do and what I do. I suppose it's about empathy and I don't mean that kind of empathy that's ideological and oh I feel sad for people and all that kind of thing it's it's I mean the putting yourself into the position of the other person I I watched Darren when he came up and I'm thinking the whole time what would it be like to be him what is he enjoying And, and I do feel that maybe if you're not thinking in that journalistic way you're just enjoying the show you're able to enjoy it a bit more not not to say I mean most people are looking how did he do that you know that kind of thing but I'm thinking what joy is this giving him uh, he's got a very showmanship kind of way of speaking and being and I've heard him interviewed and talk about his teenage years and things like that when it you know it gave him this presence it made it enabled him to impress people around him um and so I guess I'm trying to empathize with him on that level first before thinking about what he's doing and maybe that might give me an idea of, of what he might aim to do what his motivations might be. And look, it, his motivation is entertainment, and sometimes it is getting a laugh at the expense of some of the people. I mean, that's what most of the show is. He gets people up and hypnotizes them and gets them to do silly things. But they enjoy it. So I'm not saying it in a bad way. They enjoy it, and it's an amazing experience you've had afterwards. But yeah, I think you're right. it it, it is, you know, do you find that as well? I mean, that's what you do, isn't it? you're You're finding out about hackers. you've got to think about getting into their heads, right?
3: Well, what I do is, I think you, you kind of said that you did it as well. I tend to ask questions I know the answer to. And mm. I ask it in a really, really naive way. And I do yeah. it on purpose because I want them to explain it to me. And I'm, I'm, what I'm listening for is mistakes they make in explaining this thing, you know, they have the hacker handbook in front of them. They're like, okay, once he says this, say this, and then do this, and then you do this, and then do this, yeah. and then send this, and then you get your malware on their computer, and then you open their bank account and steal their money. Okay, got it, got it. So I ask questions, and if, he's, if, if he or she, I always think it's like some grubby he guy, but anyway, um, makes a mistake, because they're not what? so experienced. Maybe they haven't been doing it for that long. It's just, I want to see where you can see when you can okay. see through the veil, and yeah. and how good people are at doing it, because I've had the experience with some of these scammers that even though you know you know just around the corner is the 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 um, bolt that's gonna kill you and put you into the slaughterhouse, yeah, <laughs> you keep walking because they're very good at getting you to keep going. And I think some of these scammers are, you know, kind of, if they were real mentalists, they would ha- wouldn't would have to do it for these scams for a living. They could do magic shows. But, um, you know, they're a form of mentalist.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the uh, main things that a scammer has at their uh, disposal or in their toolbox is the ability to create panic. And I think that's uh, one of their primary um, weapons there, whereas uh, if they were to call and say, there's something wrong with this account, or um, they, Make you think that you have malware and you need to install something in order to be able to fix it and so on. That kind of that initial sense of that jolt that they get with their uh, victims is the thing that actually gets them to be able to open them up and make them do what they want them to do. And that's uh, one of the things I was uh, talking about with a mentalist. If you're up on stage um you're probably going to be answering a question or things like that just because you're like okay there are thousands of people looking at me and it's a it sounds like a similar phenomenon with a scammer of just sort of saying there's a problem with your account or you're being audited or what have you that when you uh, kind of get into that then you're going to you're not thinking as rationally and you're going to respond in ways that you wouldn't um otherwise
3: well travis yeah. you know the other thing about that it's not just panic it's also mm-hmm. wishful thinking right and the magician the mentalist they're also operating very much mm-hmm. on wish fulfillment or like here's what you know or or even like getting up on stage and being being uh persuaded or hypnotized into doing something funny um i, I would love permission to you know to just strip down to my boxers and dance around like a clown.
0: Mm. How about uh, it? Don't oh, you yay. do
3: that okay. every week? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Anyway, there's an element of having to relinquish your ego. with, And I think you need to be able to do that to do this kind of work. I think some people wouldn't be able to, particularly if they're on camera or particularly if they're talking to other people they see as like intellectual adversaries, they wouldn't be able to do that. Whereas uh, I, I guess we have to be happy to do this. So when I spoke to that exorcist, I had to pretend I was the idiot and I was this stupid guy. Um, and I think it helps speaking the foreign languages as well because they sort of trust me because they they don't imagine I'm this clever, well, not that I am clever, but I just mean they don't imagine that I have an ulterior motive that I'm being sneaky. They just, if you speak to someone who's got an accent, who's a bit like, uh, you know, speaking in broken, I'm how I must sound to them must be like, hello, what is your, you know, they're not thinking I've got this ulterior motive. And I play on that faux naive mask as much as possible. And a lot of the time it's a case of just letting them talk. And I guess you're just letting them play out as hackers. I'm letting the exorcist just talk and talk and show me and I'm going, wow, and I'm being impressed. And I'm being the idiot and I'm playing up his ego. And gradually, I started to find out that he was taking advantage of young women that he had abducted from um, schizophrenia wards, psychiatric wards who had schizophrenia. And I don't think I'd have gotten to that. I think he would have closed up straight away if I'd come in just like all guns blazing and gone like, what are you doing? This isn't right. So it was this gradual
3: yeah, uh, well that that yeah. is very different from the hackers because on the hacking side of thing, I just got another email from the person selling the tractor, and it just said, you know, no, you cannot see it, no, you cannot try it, but here, send me your your uh, banking information. So they're they are they are like the person who is like, yes, yes, tell me more about yourself, but really, let's just start making out on the first date, um, and you're. <laughs> And you're like, no, I, I don't, I'm not that easy. But um, the, the the scammer, the scammer hacker, uh, if they have a financial uh, motivation, and it's not a state-sponsored hacker who's trying to get trade secrets or whatnot, um, they're all they they're usually really impatient. And if they sense that you're being too careful or you're not an idiot, they move on.
2: I suppose in that sense, you could almost, I think if we are comparing journalists to to hacker expose exposers, exposers of hacks and and the hackers themselves, I think we could be on both sides because those hackers would do better by just being a bit, if they come on too strong on you, you're going to be scared and go away. And sometimes if they just like very casually go in and they act like they're a bit stupid, they're not sure. Oh, you don't want it. Okay. You might give them something.
3: Well, that was interesting to hear how reporters are basically hackers. I never really thought of it that way.
1: Mind hackers, yeah.
0: Yeah, with uh, hackers and scammers, one of the main things that they're trying to get you to do is provide them with information.
3: But they're not as suave as that magician. I mean, so as I mentioned, I've been trying to get hacked by this tractor salesperson the whole time that we were on. I, I would mute and send another note. And the hacker's name is supposedly Martha Williams. And Martha's grandfather died and um, has a tractor that, mm, if I had to guess, I would say is worth about $25,000. But she's selling it for $1,200. Oh, what a bargain. Yeah, well, it's for somebody who doesn't want to sell it, you know, to make money. They just want to use it. She just thinks that would be nice for her grandpa. The only problem is this tractor, which was listed in my neighborhood, is now... in Montana.
1: Oh, that that's because they're filming the next season of Yellowstone and they needed the tractor to clear away some of the land.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. That makes sense though. So, so I said, you know, for $1,200, which is the list price, I am more than happy to fly out to Montana and <laughs> look at the tractor and try it. I'm still going to be ahead by about $20,000 when I do that. And she won't get back to me because obviously that is the lie that they're trying to get around. And so the scam here is that you have to go to eBay to do the transaction and then they make money off of that transaction. And the thing that we always forget is while we're looking at like some huge crime, like, oh, my God. In reality, the hacker usually has their pinky to the corner of their mouth and they're asking for $30. Yeah.
1: Mm hmm. And and this proves a point. You know, the point we were talking about with Andrew today yeah. is that a lot of hacks and scams aren't really complicated. They're pretty simple. But And we don't want to believe things that are simple. We want to believe they're harder and more complicated than they really are. So which brings us to Darren Brown. What do you think, Adam? This is a perfect example of why Darren Brown doesn't want people to give away the secrets of what his tricks are. Yep. Uh, because every night he probably does many of the same tricks. And if you go several nights in a row, after a while, you'll start to get into the flow and you start to notice things that perhaps you didn't see the first time out or you were misdirected the first time.
3: Or you'll see it right away, Adam, because it'll be the same card, the same story, the same this, same that.
1: That's right.
3: With Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media.
1: It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names.
0: You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.